0: cracked helmet at pipeline head injuries this season at pipeline real water sports offers a variety of helmets yeah you know what i watched the um, little helmet
2: video that they did with their team rider i believe his name was ryan and um i'm fascinated by helmets actually i was in the water the other day prior to even getting the email about the helmet video and because i wear a helmet and um and i was thinking to myself you know what my helmet needs is a Like a little face guard like Mm -hmm. like remember in the nfl in the 1920s they wore leather helmets but they didn't have anything protecting their face and i'm like why aren't we putting just a we have the technology to make a really light unobtrusive
0: little teeny like mouth guard you know yeah totally well ryan the video that you're talking about ryan leopold um talks about getting knocked out underwater earlier this year on the outer banks and he specifically said his board actually hit him in the jaw it hit him in the jawline, like where you're talking about. Yeah. And they do sell a helmet. Um, it's Spartan might be the brand or it might just be the design. And I've seen it on real water sports, but it has a little bit of a covering that kind of comes over your jaw. It doesn't completely go across and over your mouth or your chin, but it at least has that added protection, which is where Ryan exactly got hit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go on realwatersports.com. click on helmets. You can see they have a variety. They have like a soft surf helmet from DMC which is very functional. It's lightweight. Uh, it has padding, with, but not a hard shell. It's $100. And then they have gath helmets all the way up to kind of the $250 range. So something for kind of everyone or every possible need pipeline or just your local beach break. But helmets are the way to go and real water sports stocks them. So
2: I think we're going to see an uptick in people wearing helmets. And even Monero wetsuits has a, little, a soft little foam one that I saw on their sites because I was scouring. I was like, Where's my face guard? You know, now the Spartan one um, looks very interesting, right? Like yeah. that could be one, but we'll see. Go do
0: battle, Scott.
2: <laughs> no, I don't want to do any battle.
0: The battle <laughs> is w- w- inner turmoil. Well, uh, well, we'll we'll post the video on our website um, with today's show notes, but also go to realwatersports.com.
2: Yeah, guy. David, yeah, guy. It is spit. It's the spit podcast where we talk all things surf. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales with you here this morning. It is January 24th, the year 2024.
0: Good morning, David. Good morning, Scott. It's a huge week in surf news. I'm shaking up my AG1, drinkAG1.com slash surf. You got yours there. I'm feeling all ready, amped up, ready to go. I am excited for today's show just because there's so much going on in the surf world, but I woke up energized.
2: Yeah, well, um, I agree with you. There's a lot going on and um, there's a lot of places we could start. Well, I think let me tease that. it by saying we have stab in the dark to discuss. We Ooh. have massive surf at pipeline in the surfline pipeline camp. There's some legal news regarding surfers that occurred. Ooh. And um I don't know what
0: else you have, but there's plenty more What do you mean, what else? Stephanie Gilmore announcing her retirement from the WSL yesterday. I knew that. I wanted to give you, you know, I needed to. (laughs) Okay. Well, well, the crazy thing is all of this happened yesterday. I mean, most of it. The day of day at Pipe yesterday, um, Stab in the Dark dropped yesterday. Stephanie Gilmore coming off of the news, by the way, from last week, which you and I didn't discuss because you and I recorded on Tuesday and then Friday, Carissa Moore, five gold medal Olympian. Five time world champ, Carissa Moore, announces her retirement from the WSL indefinitely. She may come back. She will compete at Pipe. She might compete in Sunset. She might compete at Tahiti in preparation for the Olympics. That happened on Friday. Huge news. And then yesterday, a mere four days after Carissa Moore's announcement, eight time world champ Stephanie Gilmore takes to Instagram to announce she's taking a year off of competitive surfing.
2: Yeah. Boom.
0: Lots Huge. to discuss.
2: Yeah, do you want to just continue
0: with the uh, Stephanie Gilmore news here? Yeah, well, this has been, we've discussed this in the months leading up to this, where we're pointing the finger of blame in our previous discussions towards the WSL and their shifting contest format and how it undermines the number one server going into the finals day event. The mid-year cut is part of the discussion, but really the focus of the discussion is on finals day. And you have Carissa Moore, who's, leading the rankings, all of her year's efforts are in vain. She's leading the year rankings, going into the final event, and then ends up losing on the final day in a surf-off. And we were just questioning how long or how many more times she will continue to put a year's worth of effort into the contest if it can all be vanquished in one day, basically. And so when she announced her retirement on Friday, she did not point the finger of blame at the WSL at all. And she specifically said she just, you know, has been competing her whole life and she maybe wants to have a family, she's been married for a few years now and it's time to just shift gears. Um she's dignified and I thought it was a super classy exit. She put together a beautiful video um showcasing highlights from her career and growing up surfing and talking about the highs and the lows and the challenges and stuff like that. So I thought it was a beautifully poetic, beautifully executed, very dignified exit. But We cannot not look at the WSL and their role in this. Um, And now with Stephanie Gilmore stepping away, you start to wonder if there will be a max exodus.
2: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just a little bit more nuanced than that. As you know, of course, I'm not saying that you're simplifying it, but both Carissa and Stephanie have been on tour a long time. Uh, I I interviewed Carissa Moore when she was 14 years old at Snapper Rocks. I mean, she's been on tour. That was in like 2002 or something. So they've both been on tour a long time. Gilmore's 35. And um, so there's the age thing. Like you don't see any 22 year olds stepping away from the tour. You see 30 year olds stepping away from the tour. And that's kind of normal. Like guys get burned out, girls get burned out, you know? And now adding what you mentioned, right? the format with the WSL, which is a little bit problematic and uh, might be enough to make people go, you know what? That on top of that means that I'm out. I've done it. I've got world titles. I'm good. In Chris's case, she has a gold medal. By the way, way, Gilmar, Stephanie, 35 years old, she's got the number three spot on the Olympic surf team. So we spoke about last time, uh, look, the Olympic gold medal is more important than the world title. Let's focus on the Olympic gold medal. Um, She, when I mean Stephanie Gilmore, is behind Tyler Wright and Molly Picklem. Now, there is an opportunity for the Australian team to earn a third women's spot in the Olympics. And that will take place at the World Surfing Games event next month. But um, it says here in this press release that Gilmore's decision to sit out the season includes the olympics oh wow so she's not even like <clears throat> thinking about she's just like i'm out yeah give me an album twin fin and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna surf turan for the rest of my life or whatever so yeah. good for her congratulations i feel like i don't feel like there's any coming back when you're 35 years old and you have seven world titles and perhaps you know there's this i think people's management teams get around them these athletes management teams and they're like don't say the r word. Yeah. Just say you're stepping back. It's a little cleaner, a little a little I don't know if it's classier but it gives you room mm-hmm. if you in fact decide that you're reinvigorated to come back without like, you know, naysayers
0: going, "Oh, which is it? You know, retirement or not?" <clears throat> it also opens up the wild card opportunities which she's already been gifted a wild card in 2025. Um, and I don't know that she would take like a whole season, but I see people like her, like Carissa, like Kelly, absolutely wanting to surf Cloudbreak or Pipeline or J Bay with very few people in the lineup. And so that I think they've earned that and they might take take that opportunity. Yeah, it begs the question like, are we
2: wasting a spot for a young surfer to come into the scene or, or is is that just a wasted? wild card stephanie at 36 um you know what could she do competitively and i think the answer is she could do a lot but it's not what you think it's not maybe win one of these events or make it into the semifinals or the finals of one of the events i think what she does is she adds pressure onto the young surfers in other words if you're a 1920 year old caitlin simmers and you've got stephanie gilmore in your heat you need that as a young surfer. You need to feel like the goat. You're in the heat mm-hmm. with the goat, and that will only help kate Katie Simmers get better. You know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. that's the angle that I see that that it makes sense to give these elder statesmen uh wildcard spots. If it just puts pressure, and it gives the uh, the younger surfers a chance to cut their teeth and to feel that pressure and to understand it, and then to
0: overcome it. Yeah, I agree with that, but I don't necessarily agree with them not having a shot at winning an event, especially in waves of consequence. I think they have those surfers specifically have more of a shot than Caitlin Simmers or other people when Cloudbreak is pumping pipe is pumping. I mean, Stephanie snapper, even she would dominate, you know, so I think um, especially Kelly, it's like Kelly has no reason to compete at Rio or most of the spots on tour. But when the waves are pumping, he is still the guy to beat.
2: Yeah. Look, I love Brazil, but nobody really should be competing at Rio on the (laughs) WCT. Felipe. So,
0: so this brings to question, a larger conversation is um, just like, gosh, what is happening with professional surfing in 2024? And we've been kind of pointing at a cliff, a potential cliff for competitive professional surfing. Um, but. Lisa Anderson, in other news, we didn't really discuss last week, but Lisa Anderson is off Roxy. Um, she's a lifelong you know, Roxy ambassador. She's arguably responsible for building that brand. Certainly the corporate interests who wanted to build the brand built it around her and her image and her surfing and her body, designing board shorts for women, all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's uh, important news that she is no longer on Roxy. It's obviously related to the authentic brand group takeover of Roxy and just a complete shift in what they're doing. So that's understandable, but is pro surfing dying in 2024 is the question here. Um, Kamala Potts Martin Potter, former world champ, Martin Potter wrote in, uh, Stephanie or, um, Lisa's Instagram post about the departure that it's dead. Kamala Alexander posted an Instagram the day after Carissa Moore's announcement and said, I fully take responsibility for contributing to ruining surfing as a professional surfer, exploiting spots, driving attention to surfing, getting more people into the water. This is all part of what's ruined surfing. I'll put my hand up to say, I apologize. I take the blame. Um, Vans lays off 42 people this month off their out of their Costa Mesa office after 500 worldwide in November in an effort to cut 300 million dollars in costs. There are a lot of things happening in surfing right now that are uh very precarious in the end of times.
2: Yeah, it um first of all I don't think that less people in the water. I think the more surfers in the world, the better. And I know that sounds like an old man, which probably is, because I wouldn't have thought this way 15 up, years ago. Up until two years ago, maybe. <laughs> well, my point is like, I'm not saying at like Pipeline where Kamala surfs or on Kauai or Kamala, or, you know, like obviously there's certain spots that are just overcrowded. And, but my point is, is that you and I and your average you know, COVID surfer that just came into the sport three years ago, going out and getting wet and feeling the invigoration of the ocean and the everything that we get out of the ocean that we spoke about ad nauseum, coming in from that and then dealing with our common man in a much happier, much um, more um, just open minded headspace is good for the world. And th- and so I'm kind of taking that global view that I, I don't know anyone that's gotten out of the ocean and doesn't feel really good and invigorated and and then transfers that positive energy onto the person, even if they don't realize it when they're at the grocery store or whatever. And so I'm all for more surfers, believe it or not, just not at your spot. <laughs> no,
0: But well, there's you get so what I'm saying, right? You're you're right. And I guess I muddied my kind of diatribe by including Kamale's statement because the rest of it was focused on professional surfing is professional surfing dead and Kamale's Kamale's wasn't professional surfing. Kamale just said surfing is ruined. And so you're, you're accurate. I agree with what you're saying. It's a good time to be a surfer. It's not a great time to be a fan of professional surfing. Yeah. I think it's good for the
2: oceans. If we have more people in the water, more people that are ocean oriented and are leaning towards, um, conservation of the ocean um is pro surfing dead um first of all vans is a clothing it's a shoe company shoes 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 might be dead shoes the shoe market might be oversaturated you know um they support professional roxy is a clothing company yeah they're not surf companies yeah they support surfers okay but they're not that's not you know what's a surf company that surfboard behind me right there which is freeline peter mel's shop in santa cruz that's a surf company they sell surfboards (laughs) that's what surfing is surfing is hard goods surfboards wetsuits fins board shorts rash guards helmets leashes traction stuff you need to go surfing it's thriving okay there's more surfers than ever so i don't think that the surf industry is dead. Now, I will say, I think it's a massive misstep to not have Lisa Anderson as sort of a lifelong global ambassador for your brand. I mean, I believe Quicksilver, and for, help me out here, but they still have Tom Carroll on there. And and I believe Mark, Mark Richards as Mark well. Mark Richards, yeah. And <clears throat> that's a smart move. You only need one, especially for those legacy brands, which you and I only relate to. My kid doesn't give a crap about Quicksilver, but you and I, actually the ones that are actually buying stuff, you know, we have a, a certain um, loyalty towards Tom Carroll because he's a great guy and towards Lisa Anderson because she's a great gal. And so yeah. uh, even yeah. if you're like, I'm just going to sell my stuff at Costco and Walmart and nobody gives a shit about Lisa Anderson. I still think it's probably pennies on the dollar to keep her on the payroll. Yeah. And it's just super positive. And she's a super positive person and she's just a great role model. And, um, you know, I don't know. that
0: That well, seems like a misstep. I agree with you entirely. Um I don't think there's a reason to not share this information, but what I heard was that Quicksilver's global budget for their marketing for their athletes, global athlete salary cap is 1.5 million dollars for 2024.
2: I you know, that's great. You know, somebody made up that number. Some guy with a suit on. Exactly. And he screwed but, up. You can easily make that number 2.5 and it's not going to affect them at all.
0: No. And give her a million
2: dollars a year. Let her live for God's sake.
0: That's in contrast to, of course, the heyday when Dane Reynolds, their one athlete alone was making $4 million. So it's a huge, huge number or drop. But I, I agree with the sentiment of what you're saying. I've never been more enthusiastic about surfing and about the surf content that I can consume and the surfboards that I have access to and the wetsuits and the things that I have access to than I am today. And I think that the question of is pro surfing dead that I posed is a stupid question, of course, it's just a clickbait question, but it is reflective of something. What is happening is that the thing has grown so large that the top level of it that is being managed with the most dollars involved probably in corporate interest, no longer reflects what's happening kind of at the beach every day or in the shaping bay. And so that's what I'm pointing at. And it's a farce, you know, and it's embarrassing when you see the legacy people like that being kind of discarded and the new people who are into surfing. If you are going to, if you're buying your surfboard from Costco and you're buying your quote, surf clothing, surf brand clothing from Costco right next to your surfboard, then that's one thing. Maybe you're having a good time. I doubt that you're even spending much time at the beach, but whatever. Maybe that's one version of surfing experience. It's a very different thing than going to your local shaper, going into the shaping bay, smelling those smells, by the way, and figuring out like, hey, what's going on right now in design? And he's like, oh, you know what? Ryan Birch made a board... Couple boards for Bryce Young last year. I saw this video and they're narrower and they're asymmetrical. And by the way, Mikey Wright wrote one in a Quicksilver video from the year that he was shredding on in a way that I hadn't seen him shred before. So now I'm working on this new little design over here. And the waves have been pumping and we've tested it out locally. And so we've made these adjustments and it's in this construction. And so I'd be glad to make one for you. You know what I mean? Like that's an experience. And that's still available. Like that's more available now than has ever been before. There's more, there's more shapers. They're more accessible. Like it's still a great time to be a surfer. I'm not seeing much of that reflected on the world tour in terms of, I don't know, you you know, or just in, on that kind of top level of the market that we once kind of looked to as the harbingers of what was happening in surfing.
2: Yeah, okay next (laughs) pipeline so yeah pipeline's been incredible the pipeline cam specifically for you and i um sort of computer users of uh, what's happening there but there's been two days in a row it was yesterday and the day before of epic pipe and the surfline cam they did a youtube live stream of it and then Gloriously, they had a highlights package at the end of each one, so you can just go straight to the end and just see barrel after barrel after barrel after barrel. So kudos to Surfline and that live stream, which they've been doing, as you know, David, for a long time. So that's been just incredible to see the second reef chip ins. By the way, the sand's gone. The form the pipe looks incredible. It looks super good, and uh, this all leads us towards, of course uh is it the lexus pipe pro or something like that presented by lexus or anyway the first ct of the year the waiting period is on the 29th it's the 24th today so in five days this thing could kick off and pipeline looks unreal and i've looked at the forecast and the forecast looks really good for the first event of the season
0: okay good i was i was curious um Kelly Slater, back from hip surgery, was in the water last night. He got an insane wave at back door, um, which, you know, I guess the hip surgery, I, he's just paddling into a wave and going straight. So I'm not sure how reflective that is of how his hip is feeling. But the fact that he's in Hawaii now and kind of in the water, I think, is a good good sign for us who want to see him at pipe. Um, interestingly, Gabriel Medina is out in the lineup italo is out in the lineup you know who i didn't see out in the lineup who felipe toledo (laughs) instead i saw him post a video of working out in san Clemente while the waves are pumping in hawaii one week in advance of the pipe pro so um i think that's notable as we look to set our survival league teams and go into the season
2: oh wow okay yeah fair enough so you're saying no Felipe on your survival league team. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> no, <laughs> it makes not i Pi-
0: I'm gonna save him for Rio. That um, makes
2: tons of sense.
0: Yeah. But but I agree. Like so it oh, by the way, did you see Shane Dorian's wipe out on that surfline cam? Yeah, the back door wave. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he- Shane got a, an incredible one as well, but there's one wipeout where he it's on like an over, the overhead, over the falls head over the, the falls. F- yeah. That yeah. one's insane. He's like scratching in and it lurches and he just isn't under the ledge. And so it kind of lurches him as he gets to his feet and he just goes straight over the falls, like head first into the reef with the lip on like a double up. And I'm like, that's when you see waves like that and you're like, okay, that guy's going to die. He's going to certainly get injured. The waves that people actually end up getting injured on never look as gnarly as that did. And the fact that Shane's got to be 50 at this point, right? Oh, yeah. How does your body survive something like that? Because he got his sick wave after that.
2: Yeah. No, well, first of all, he's in great shape, obviously. Um, That helps. I don't mean just surf shape. Like He works out, he eats right. He does everything to make sure that his... His physical systems are optimum, and yeah. um, and so there's that. That definitely helps, right? But what totally. blows my mind is that these guys aren't wearing helmets. I know,
0: it blows my totally. mind. Yeah, it totally does. Um, but anyways, the other insane wave was Iala uh, Dala. Is Iala is his name? I believe E-A-L-A, Iala Dala. Um, crazy wipeout at pipe. And Peter King posted a shot of it from the beach. Yeah. Do you remember this one?
2: Oh, yeah. It's just next level. Like kind of, a, well, it is a free fall. Yeah. And it's it's brutal.
0: It, the Peter King's first clip I saw and I was like, oh my gosh, that was nuts. And then I saw Tucker Wooding's drone clip of it yeah. where you could see a kind of a different angle where he's kind of backdooring into the pipe barrel and, um, man, free fall into the worst possible position ever at the worst possible time, just an in, insane wipeout. So it's a crazy day of, uh, chaos, but really big and perfect surf at pipe the last day or two. So really exciting stuff.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, as I mentioned, I'm looking here, it looks like they could easily go on the first day, which is, I believe the 29th Monday, the okay, 29th cool. cool. eight to 12 feet. Then the winds might get a little too strong in the afternoon, say from three o'clock on. But but you never know over there, especially this far out regarding winds. So Monday looks good. Tuesday looks massive and out of control. So then the next, so Monday and then Thursday looks super solid. Then there's a four to six foot day, which I would prefer we don't run on because then Saturday, the weekend is eight to 10 feet. And then Monday, the fifth of February is eight to twelve and ten to fifteen. I'm hoping they end this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday run. Even Thursday, when it's fifteen to eighteen, <laughs> I would love for them to finish in some solid ones like what we've seen over the past two days, where there's chip in second reefers. Guys mm. are sitting out there, and those second reefers, you almost even don't even have to paddle for them. You just flip and take one butterfly stroke, and you're into it. And you just kind of do this setup bottom turn for the insane uh, first, you know, that first reef section that just heaves and throws. And it's going to be an exciting pipeline event. Uh, it's, and I'm excited. I'm excited for the WSL. Look, we, you and I, especially you, poo-poo the CT and the WSL a little bit. And by the way, there's plenty of good reason for it. They've failed. Uh, mostly because of the it's usually not because of the this first event of the season it's because of the last event of the season and um, i'm looking forward to the the wsl lexus pipe pro and i'm hoping that they do it in all of these solids uh
0: forecasted waves well pipeline still reigns supreme and uh it's the show of the year and i'd like to say thanks to All of the people who are filming it day in and day out, including the Surfline Stagnant cams, but like PK posting, you know, literally on the beach from his camera, interneting it to his phone and then uploading it in real time is insane, Uh, an insane gift for us. So thanks to those people doing that. Um, As we look at Pipe, though, of course, one of the things that has kept me engaged in recent years is Survival League. So S-U-R-F-I-V-A-L. Surf Ival-League. Simplified Fantasy Surfer. Uh, we've been playing the last four years, and it's w- super easy. It's $20 for the entire season. So $20 commitment. The grand prize is $7,000 and a three-board quiver from Panda. You, get, you just pick one surfer per event, If that surfer makes it past the round of 32, you make it into the next event. If they don't, you lose, and you lose out for the rest of the season, and you can't play anymore. So you just got to pick one surfer past the round of 32, but you can only pick a surfer once a year. So you can't pick John John for every event. You pick him once, and then you can't use him again. So um, pretty simple. You know what, uh, Panda...
2: What's that gentleman's name again? He's Blake Peters. Yeah, Blake. He makes a sick Twinser. And I'm big on the Twinser. I'm a huge Twinser guy. Yep. And um, so when I win, I'm going to want three different Twinsers. Perfect. Yeah. You
0: hear that, Blake? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I would by be the honored if-
2: to ride Blake's boards, man. Those things look sweet. Totally. Who are you liking here in the S-U-R-F hyphen
0: I-V-A-L? No, whoops. The hyphens in between survival oh, and league. Nice, <laughs> nice, Charlie, though, nice Charlie
2: Taylor. S u r f i v a l, s u r f i v a l hyphen league, l e a g u e dot com. Yeah, surf survival league. Who, by the way, referral? Who, what's code- your strategy? By the way, you you had a strategy last year. It was a good one. You did way better than I did. There's sort of two ways to look at this, and then I'm going to hand the, this off to you for your strategy, but the one way is pick the guy who's best at those spots that we know, like, say, John John at Pipe, um, maybe Gabe at Chopu. And then there's some spots that are kind of wild cards where you're like, okay, who's the best competitor? Like a Kanoa Garashi who seems to always make it through to the – through that second round exactly yeah so you determine those spots that you know there's a good guy then there's some wild cards locations where you're like well anybody could really or felipe at rio is a great example
0: of a surfer for the spot so go ahead i'll i'll uh, yield to you here i should also say when you sign up for survival league use referral code spit for us to keep track of everything spit um very simple so look I'm going to implement the same strategy I implemented last year, even though it failed me. Um, I've got a spreadsheet and I've got the, how many events is that? 10 events? 10 events. And I've got four columns. My first ranked who I would love for this event my second pick for the event, my third pick for the event, and my fourth pick for the event. So essentially who I think will win the event. So a pipeline, what that list looks like is John John Florence, Gabriel Medina, Ellie Slater, Jack Robinson. Then I go down to sunset and I do the same thing. And then I go through the list after the fact, and I decide John John, I put in first position three times. So I have to kind of prioritize where I want him actually to use him. Kelly, I only used one time. So you know what? Even though Kelly's in the third spot at Pipeline, I'm not using him anywhere else on tour. So maybe I actually shift him into the first position at Pipeline so I can save John John for Margaret River. That's kind of the strategy. So first, second, third, and fourth pick at every event, and then look at those lists and kind of rearrange um, priority-wise. Because somebody like Baron Mamiya, you know, I've got him listed as my second or my third pick for Sunset. But it's like, I have Jack Robinson as my first pick for Sunset. I could use Jack Robinson elsewhere. Even though he's my first pick at Sunset, I can use him elsewhere. Baron Mami, I'm not going to use anywhere else. And I maybe he won't win Sunset, but will he make it past the round of 32? Almost guaranteed. Almost. Almost. <laughs> I want to
2: say, didn't Baron Mami, think I think he might have knocked me out last year, in the very first event. I think I lost at Pipeline last year. You lost with Seth Moniz. Oh, that's right.
0: One Which of the was a type
2: regulars, you'd think
0: they'd be good. And the finalist from the previous year in that incredible event with Kelly Slater. So that oh, was like yeah. the safest possible. That was a smart, smart play because you wouldn't have used Seth anywhere else. Yeah,
2: I did everything right. I did you my part, lose. damn it.
0: No, I know. It's a so, lot of fun. Bottom line well, is it's fun. Yeah.
2: It's another way to be engaged. And um, yeah, so well, that's my thinking? strategy.
0: That's my strategy, but what's yours? Is the question. I guess
2: well. My strategy is I kind of have a no strategy strategy. Like I'm not going to sit down with a spreadsheet. I'm just going to, because what generally happens is, oh shit, that's right. I've got three hours to get my survival pick in. I better do it quick. And I just go, I don't know. And so I usually put more thought into the first event because we were talking about it and we've got time and, you know, and I do like the idea of, There are certain spots where we know there's guys that are good and there are certain spots where it's like, I don't know, it could be a bit of a toss up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So at pipeline, you mentioned the five guys that make tons of sense. When you think about those five guys, then you ask yourself, okay, which guy has some life situations that I need to be aware of? A hip injury, a hip replacement. That's, That's a bit scary. Um, although I will say that I've heard that the hip replacements the is pretty easy to get uh recovery from. Mm. So Kelly's kind of you know
0: I actually like Gabe Medina at pipe. I like him everywhere though. You know what I, I mean? Do so too. do you want to burn him at pipe is the question.
2: I guess we're burning um Jack Robinson. No, we want him at Margaret.
0: Yeah, or, I'm just gonna or sunset. You know what I mean? That's where it gets complicated.
2: Sunset's a wild card wave, in my opinion. Although there are guys like you want to stick with local Hawaiians that have surfed there and their since they were four years old or whatever, so they they know all the little nuances, all the little wedges that are going to back off. Even you know they look like they could be good waves and all that. So
0: Jack's one sunset. Yeah, Jack. Uh, you know, oof, Sun- I hard. mean John John would be a sunset pick. You know, there's there's safe picks for sunset still. I'm picking John John for pipe. Okay.
2: And I'm, I'm pick, not telling I'm you gonna, who I'm, I'm pick,
0: picking up. I just told you my strategy, but I'm not telling you who I'm going to end up with.
2: Oh, yeah. I blew it. I told you who. That's all picking right. John
0: John. Okay, good. I like it. It's a great pick. Yeah.
2: Can't go wrong with John John. No, except for <laughs> West and Margaret River, and Then, but I'm going to pick um, Jack Robinson for Margaret River.
0: Okay. All right. Well, if you make it past the first event this year, Scott, oh, that's then right. you can pick... I'm way
2: ahead of myself
0: yeah right. anyway, anyways, go Survival League. and, uh, like I said, referral code spit. that would be epic. And we will bid you uh, well wishes in our in our attempt to get to the final and the seven thousand bucks in the Panda surfboards.
2: You know what? We're going to take a break to help talk about our sponsors, pay the bills, and uh, we'll be right back. And we're going to talk about Kaloe and Dino stab in the dark. ok, cool.
0: Colby plus dot com. I mentioned last week I saw Strider rocking the Colby suits this week. Danny Quack. Well, heck to the yes. Two
2: legendary goofy foot Strider and Danny Quack wearing the buttery Colby plus full suits. We just had a major rain event here. That means that uh, generally there's wind involved, which means upwelling, which means colder water. So the four, three hooded Colby plus is an ideal
0: candidate for conditions such as we have now. Yeah. I, what I love about it is um, obviously the Yamamoto rubber makes it buttery and, and it's super warm, but the fit is what I love about it. Easy access. Like it goes broad to get off my shoulders without feeling like a straight jacket, but once it's all zipped up and on it's tight and snug water doesn't flush through. It's the best designed wetsuit with the best materials, Uh, and the warmest that I've ever had. So I'm a huge fan.
2: Yeah. I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, when there's, there's like an extra chill in the air or there's an extra nip in the water, my Colby plus is the warmest suit that I have. And I have, as you know, and maybe the listeners know because I've complained about my feet forever. I can't wear booties. My feet are malformed and booties just cut off circulation So I can go to my Colby plus and know because of the extra warmth, my feet stay warmer longer than my other suits. Yeah. So I'm always reaching for my Colby plus and it's a premium buttery full suit that each and every one of you guys should uh, do yourself a favor and take a look at it. It's an incredible suit. I'm a huge fan. Yeah.
0: Premium suit at a very, very reasonable price Um, because it's direct to consumer. So fan feedback has or listener feedback has been amazing. Go to colbyplus.com. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Stab in the dark.
2: Stab in the dark. Wow, I'm friggin' let me say that the first episode has dropped and I'm more psyched about
0: the stab in the dark than I think I have been about any of them. I literally wrote in my notes, this might be the single best episode of Stab in the Dark they've done in nine seasons. I
2: totally agree with you. And I think a majority of the reason is Kaloa Andino, who is an incredible communicator and an incredible surfer. And, um, and yeah, let's just start there. I mean, I'm just a huge fan of, of the sincerity. And um the thing with Chloe, you just feel like he's kind of like Jordy. Like you you just feel like there's an authenticity and a sincerity and an honesty that there's no BS. Like he's not putting on any kind of anything. He's just like, I'm Chloe. Here we go. And oh, by the way, he's a very nice guy. I'm a huge fan. Like A lot of us know Kolohe as um, what we saw early on in his career, which was um, in the print magazines and was um, maybe sort of molded a little bit, which wasn't bad. But, you know, I guess the sad thing about the way we take in media is we sometimes we remember the worst stuff and we don't remember all the good stuff. So we remember Kolohe pounding his surfboard and being sort of like a little bit, um, I don't want to say. I guess I'll say brattish, you know. Um, and so there was, there was, just sort of like an unsavory feeling about him. Um, but in the last ten years, or I will no, the last four or five years, um, we've seen more Kalohé in front of the camera talking, and you're like, oh, this guy's a really good guy, and
0: mm-hmm. it makes sense
2: because mm-hmm. it seems like his parents are. I don't know. His, his Dino's a really good guy, and he just seemed like a kid that was brought up. Right. And, um, granted he was, you know, like all of us in Southern California, we have a lot of, um, blessings and, um, but I'm just a fan of Chloe. He rips. He's absolutely super fun surfer to watch ride and test out these boards. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm psyched. And oh, by the way, they're in great waves and I'm super glad to hear they're going to a right. Cause when I first saw it, I'm like, Oh man, it's going to be all backside which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think, you know, it's good to mix it up. Hmm.
0: Well, my experience with Chloe was not necessarily the Braddish thing. I, um, but what I felt like throughout his entire career was that he was a surfing to a criteria and b, not saying and being all of who he wanted to be and what he wanted to say. He was confined and hamstrung by the box of, his big moneyed contracts and what they expect of you and wanting you to align your brand, your identity with their brand. And also the WSL or the ASP uh, and kind of what you're allowed to say on air. And then when he was doing free surf stuff, maybe edits, you don't want to deviate too far from your, the rest of your identity. So I just felt like we never got full Kolohe. And now I feel like, um, He's taken all that stuff off and I feel like he's been more of himself, you know, in the, in the last year or two, um, and maybe even humbled, you know, by the fact that he never won an event on tour and he was expected to win world titles. And so it, that humbling might've even reset some of what you're identifying as, you know, bratishness. Um, and so anyways, he's in his heyday right now, hot girl moment for Chloe and Dino. Um, but I agree. I think that this the reason why this episode is so strong for Stab isn't just him. The graphics package, the cinematography is better than it's ever been. The entire look is incredible. The music, the editing, it was all top notch. Coming off of uh, Italo's, which I felt like was a complete miss, and also the stab and the or the um, electric acid surfboard test recently, which I thought was a miss. This is just a complete reset and return to form. And again, the best version of it. Um, they also stated in their comments section, we're going to do two weeks off in between episodes and we want your feedback. They, I think they were receiving the feedback from those previous seasons and they're making adjustments with this one. They applied a lot of the adjustments, one of which was. A much stronger focus on the shapers in this episode, you know, where they've done that in the past as well, but in the recent seasons, it was just kind of like a mention of the shapers. This it's a cutaway from Kaloe entirely. It's a flash to 1988. Here's exactly what, um, Chris Borst, was doing in 1988. Here's where he intersected with Marcio Zuvi in San Diego. Here's a photo of them. Here's what was happening in the greater world. Here's what pop culture was doing. Here's what surfboards looked like prior. Here's what the innovations that they made. They create all of this context and appreciation for how we end up with this board that Chloe Andino's writing right now. So I think that focus on the shapers is a huge part of this, uh, the success of this
2: yeah well, that's a great point. I totally agree. Of course, um, you and I both are are big into um, lifting up the shapers and the craft and of uh, building a surfboard and uh, the the, build, the board builders, the designers, all of the hardworking individuals that go into making our boards. and uh, so it's good that they're giving more of a highlight to the surfboard shapers, and it's interesting. That's the other side of it. like it's very super interesting. interesting. That, and, well, in fact,
0: they could probably go deeper. They absolutely could. I mean, here's the deal. I know about Pukas. I know about um, Marcio at Sharpie. I know a little bit about Chris Borst, but they taught me new things. In the short, like, 90-second kind of thing that they did on the Shaper, I learned more about those shape And Matt Biolas, I learned more about them than I knew about previously. So they did an excellent job with it.
2: Here's a thought. Why not do one episode... Her shaper. They K- riding the Borst, a full deeper dive on Borst, more waves ridden on the Borst board at more spots. Now I know that means a lot more time involved and a lot more editing and a lot more of everything, you know, on the back end that you and I wouldn't see as end user consumers. But boy, I think that would be pretty damn cool. I think there's we had, an opportunity. You know? I think yeah. they
0: can Create the series as it exists currently. And what they've done in the past is have breakaway episodes in addition to that were focused on each individual board. And they had interviews with the Shapers. And I think they did that with the electric acid surfboard test featuring Noah Dean when he was on the North Shore. So they released the full series. And then it was like week after week, they did a breakaway three to four minute where it was a lot of the B roll clips and the wiping out. But then they interview Blake Peters from Panda and they say, you know, what was the board designed for and what went wrong with the, with the test? And he goes, oh, well, Noah had the wrong fins. And so you notice when he swapped out the fins, then he did these things instead. But, you know, he was trying to do airs on the board and you're not supposed to really do airs on that board. Stuff like that. So getting it straight from the shaper is really helpful.
2: Yeah, I think that that would be fun uh, if they did just one episode per board and allowed us to see Chloe ride the boards in uh
0: a wider variety of waves. Yep. Well, here's the the missive that they gave to the shapers and I will explain who the shapers are as well. But the missive was um mystery surfer. We're not going to tell you who he is, but he's five foot eleven. He weighs 177 pounds. Instructions, you can shape any board you like. Just use PU construction, please. FCS uh, thruster plugs, please. The width, the thickness, the volume are all up to you. The rail shape, bottom curve, and tail are all open to your interpretation. Uh, The boards must be supplied completely blank without any markings, no decals, no branding, no size, no tech that reveals the identity of the board builder. And um, the cost is $0. Just supply two surfboards so we can promo one for our previous uh, premium audience audience for the giveaway. So no cost to be involved in this, just two surfboard contribution, which I think is really cool. The surfboard shapers are Britt Merrick, three-time winner, I believe. Pizel, two-time winner, I believe. Matt Biolis, DHD, Sharpie, JS, Pukas, Chili, Hayden Patterson, Rusty Xanadu Borst.
2: Well, you know what it caught my eye, caught my ear when you were mentioning all of this is the boards come two stab clear. That's what with it says. No markings. Yeah, just like a board from lost in a board box. So True they fan. pull it out and they have a clear board with no markings whatsoever. So I'm wondering about the chain of command, the chain of custody, from the time they take this clearboard out with no markings and put it in the stab office to the time they take it to the artist that puts the number and the, uh, the in this case, I think it's a red little pin line or thick pin line around it. Like... <laughs> I'd like to see the chain of custody. Worried that they're mixed up. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, (laughs) who knows? There's no major
0: conspiracy theory out there. That is, there is no chance. I know. Um, I'm just teasing. So highlights from episode one. Xanadu got dispatched before it's even written. One of the failures of this series that they do is the unlucky 13. I don't know why they do this or who conceived of this, but Kaloe has to select one board upon first reveal of the boards. So before he's even ridden them, before he's even waxed them up, he has to pick one board that he just dispatches. This one's not going to work. And so the Xanadu he picked as the one that doesn't get to be ridden. And it's like, why put 13 shapers through this process if you're not going to give one of them a chance to be ridden? It seems insane.
2: Well, I agree. And I'll say this, that, it's it's unfortunate for all of us because of all of those shapers xanadu is the one guy where i'm like that is cool that they included xanadu and that's like that would be a f- incredible i won't say dark horse but his boards are the most um i think if you were if you were allowed to look at all the boards and go point give me what tell me which one's the xanadu i think be, that would be the easiest one to do because his his noses have a little slippered um rocker in him and he's got he's just a very unique shaper and his boards are very unique and I think Chloe and I think all of us it would have been really cool to hear what Chloe had to say and to see him ride a Xanadu I I'm just disappointed
0: that because of that that's the disappointment is for us like yeah of all those boards that was the board I wanted to see him ride me too me too and and for certainly because of who Xanadu is and what he's done but also because Chloe and Dino has ridden the same boards always and refined and refined and refined. It'd be great to see him on a complete curveball.
2: I totally agree. I'm, I'm. That's the one thing where I'm like. Uh, now we do know from past episodes, they will pick a surfer to then I think ride and do a critique on that. And so that'll be interesting to see who it is or or how that plays out. But uh, as you know too, you know Xanadu is making. Boards for world tour surfers in the 90s, oh, yeah. even in the 80s, I, I want to say. Yeah, and so, like, Brad Gerlach, I believe, rode some Xanadu's on tour. Um, there was quite a few guys. i I know I Xanadu would know, and I'm going to miss the names here. But my point is, is that it, it, although it's a wild card, it's not that much of a wild card, it's just he's a very unique designer. His boards they stick out, and yeah. um,
0: I've always been drawn to them aesthetically, they're unique. And people love the boards who, who ride them. So yeah, that was kind of a major disappointment for me at the beginning of the episode. But the other big kind of um, moment in this was he's been riding Matt Biolis's surfboard since he was seven years old. So I think for 24 years he said, or something like that. Um, He, that was one of, when they do the blind test of like, try to identify which boards are from which shaper he guessed three, correct. One of them was the biolus and then he wrote it and then came out of the water and was like, I'm 1000% sure this is the biolus. And in fact, it's a board model that he has been working on with biolus that isn't quite revealed yet. I believe 3.0 sub or stub, um, sub driver, and, sub, driver. sub driver or stub. I forget which but the 3.0 version of it that they've been working on anyways, Chloe says, look, I'm going to disqualify this one. Like I know this is Biolas and it'd be unfair. Like this is like, um, my right arm, essentially, like, I know it would just be unfair. This is what I always ride. This is what feels familiar and comfortable to me. So it almost doesn't shouldn't I'm glad that it was included in this because we want to pay you know respect to Matt, but it would almost be unfair if I continue to ride it and judge everything else against it. So we're just going to push this one aside. So Matt Biolas and Xanadu are out of the competition.
2: Couple of things. Um, My first thought is why do we even include the shapers or the surfers shape? of choice right like what a waste of time and energy perhaps but then if you dig deeper if you didn't include matt everyone in the industry would be like well they didn't include matt so we know who the right the surfer must be and then Mm -hmm. that information could get out to all the other shapers because they all talk they're all going yeah "Yeah, I'm, i'm building the board for stab in the dark yeah. Oh, Matt's not building one. Matt wasn't invited. That's weird. Oh, it must be a Matt Ryder must be Chloe. I'll build a board for Chloe. Yeah. There's that. Right. So I think that's what part of the strategy behind including the surfers shaper in the competition.
0: I think also um, you, if you have like you know, the world's best shapers, you want to include the world's best shapers. And so Matt is one of those. He's in that conversation. It would just be unfair to not include him simply because one of his team riders was the elected pilot. But it worked out perfectly in this scenario. Like, I love that it worked out this way. And I love that Kaloé was so transparent and he made a gentlemanly decision by, you know, setting it aside. Because really the competition, what we want to see is him experiencing new things. You know, I mean... It's so great. This experiment. The reason why this episode was so strong, in addition to everything else, is that it delivered exactly what the con, what the initial premise of Stab in the Dark was, which is get on the pookas, the board's a dog, and then get it in different waves. And oh my God, I just did the best turn of my life what was that? Okay. Let's, let's try to figure this out and isolate this. But then I got on the piezel and it did this, 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 and this a little bit differently. So I want to try it in other waves, you know, and kind of going through all of that and confronting your own limitations or your own misunderstandings and trying to work past it and let the board speak. That is what this is all about.
2: And I think Chloe, I think that's one of the reasons we're so charmed by Chloe here, is that he understands exactly what you just said. Like he's on board. Like, he's like, I'm not riding the I'm going to, I know this is a mat and let's get that out of the way because that's not what this is about. This is about me expanding my own vision of what a good surfboard could be and about the shapers trying to um, find equal ground with me on that equal footing. So uh, I agree with you. It's, you know, it's, it's making tons of sense. Let me ask you this though. If Matt, if Chloe didn't, know that that was Matt's board and Chloe just said, yeah, this board felt good, blah, blah, blah. And he went through the competition and at the end, Matt won. That would be a disappointment.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. In the end, Matt still wins. You know what I mean? Like, because Kolohe's profile gets raised after this is over, Chloe's still going to ride Matt's boards. Matt got plenty of screen time in this. So it's a it's a win-win i think for everybody
2: totally agree excited about what's coming up now so the Pizel he rode the Pizel, um it looked good to me it looked real yeah, good me too. and um he's undecided on that the pukas as you mentioned he bogged hard in the edit it's funny you watch the edit and you're like god they're just showing him eating it on purpose i guess this board's going to be out and they want to show why it's going to be out And then he moved up to a different break and just started ripping on it. And then he was like hemming and hawing. And then he was like, you know what? This board's in the final. I'm putting this board straight to the finals. Then he rode the Borst. By the way, I might not be in this all in this exact order. He rode the Borst. It looked sparky, but there were some things. He's undecided. I don't think he needs to ride that board in another wave. Um, The sharp eye he didn't like. It's out. No longer in the competition. The mayhem we mentioned is out for reasons of loyalty and the Xanadu is the unlucky 13, which is, as we
0: mentioned, a disappointment. He said the sharp eye is out, but he goes, this would probably be a really great board for somebody else. Not just, just not for me. He mentioned a lot of thickness kind of in the mid mid range of the board. Yeah. and Much more narrow nose and tail. And then also more kind of narrow on the, towards the rails so he just felt like his design the foil
2: for- the foil maybe was too extreme from thick to thin it didn't kind of have a, enough evenness is right. what he was talking about his bottom turns they felt real like a like a thick foam and then when it released it was just too almost too much and you could see it in the in the waves I mean I, I in his bottom turns there were some sticky moments where his as he's in the middle of his turn up the mid face there's some I'm sure that that everyone is like you and I, we watch what the board's doing under the person's feet. Is it flowing? Is it, does it look comfortable or does it look like he's tentative that he's not sure if he should be bearing down and putting all his weight into the turn? And if he does, does it react too quickly? And there's all these things. And by the way, you mentioned the editing and, and how great this episode was. Some of that, looking down view from up on the cliff looking down is really fascinating from looking Mm -hmm. at the surfboard's performance rather than just the level uh, eye view. And so um,
0: that extra viewpoint, vantage point is a bonus. Best cinematography they've done in this series so far. Um, Best a lot of things that they've done. So they paired it back in certain ways and just simplified it, but also went deeper into certain areas that I really appreciated. So congratulations to Stab. Amazing. Great job, Kiloé. Um Episode number two drops on February 6th. So like I said, t- every two weeks. By we the way, they,
2: they, um, they offered Stab Premium members an opportunity to win, I think, one of the boards or some of the boards or maybe all of the boards. I forget exactly. And you could go into their commentary section and put in who you think the winner will be, the winning shaper, who you think the four finalists will be, and who you think the unlucky 13 will be. And um, did you participate in this? No, I did not. Do you think if they chose you that they would be like, oh, we're not gonna give boards to David or Scott.
0: (laughs) Let's pick another winner. Do you think that would occur? I have no idea why they would even do that to me or you, but I'd be okay if they did. I've got surfboards. Give them to somebody who uh, has to pay full price for surfboards regularly. Well,
2: for the record, I wanna win the boards.
0: (laughs) Help so out of that equation, I'm oh, in. I win. Well, I, I want the boards. Ask you a similar question though, because at the the opening scene before the opening credits, even it's Chloe and Dino on the phone at the end of the week with a friend. I think it's He's his like, dad. Oh, it's his dad. Okay, and he I goes, think so. But that was such goes, a great tease. Continue. He goes, "Dude, you're never gonna believe who won." And then they bleep it and cut to black and then come back and you hear the reaction of the person on the other end of the phone. Like, no way, that's incredible. And Chloe laughing. Based on that interaction and response, do you have any indication on who wins? Well, based on that, I'm thinking it might be Hayden. Interesting. Yeah, you're right. Okay, because what's funny is based on that, I thought Xanadu. Right, one of the whole wild cards. Wild card exactly and then when I saw Xanadu got you know dispatched I was like okay well that opening scene maybe it's mayhem maybe it's not the wild card and it's in fact the most obvious choice and that's why they were responding that way but then mayhem got dispatched so then I was just like oh man I have no clue who's gonna win this but you're right it could be Hayden it could be Hayden because there you know there's this you know i think within
2: the surfboard building industry there's some jealousy and some envy of how uh how well hayden's done you know yeah so there might be some you know you wouldn't believe because may you know and again i'm just riffing with you here i don't know what's going on in Colorado, i like anymore, it
0: though but i think it could be hayden i like but it. i'm gonna go I, back and rewatch that scene
2: yeah it, it's such a a moment of Oh my god, we've been talking shit on this guy for so long, and he won. That's that was kind of the vibe I got. Like we, you know, what all the shit we've been talking about, how lame his boards are. And, but again, that's just me making that up based on whatever's between my ears, which could be total bullshit. And probably and Hayden, is.
0: Hayden's gotten short shrift too in this competition. I think the year that Jordy uh, was the test pilot, he broke the Hayden like in the very first session, so it never even really got to get ridden. Um, so it'd be kind of poetic for him to come back and win something like this. But I agree. I think it'd be cool I, if it was Hayden. I'm kind of like, I think it would be fun, totally. But, and, uh, but I mean, you and I are wrapped by this series.
2: I am. I'm totally involved. And, and oh, by the way, sadly, it's got me to that place where I'm like, maybe I could ride one of these boards. You know, like right now, my little chippy performance board is a CI every day, which I love it's a little wider it's got a little bit more like middle-aged man vibe to it you know yeah but i keep thinking to myself maybe i could go a little sexier you know um and every time i do that i fail you know Well,
0: we'll see but
2: oh and the other thing is um
0: oh i forgot go ahead well maybe it'll come to you when i deliver uh this detour to what you were talking about but I've said it before, but I want to restate it here. There's a branding opportunity, collaboration opportunity for you and Sharpie. You're talking about the board that you want right now and the adjustments off of other boards that you like. Yeah. They have a model with Felipe Toledo called the 77. Yeah. You do Hard 75. That's right. The, the Sharpie Hard 75. It's a modified high-performance shortboard designed for a guy who hits the gym two times a day, surfs every day, foils sometimes. Here's the
2: deal: I actually bought a Sharp Eye for Indo last year. I remember that from Rob. I think it was the seventy-seven plus. Mm. Took it to Indo when I when I got it. I was like, this thing feels too thin. Like it just feels. They think I'm twenty-five years old or something, you know. And every sharp eye I've ever seen—they're just so blady and ing- they're just like they don't build boards for middle-aged men, even if they think they are. You know what I mean? Well, those so, middle-aged those men sharp at sharp didn't eye. go good for me, and I think I—I I gave it to my son, okay, who, who wrote it, and of course wrote it well. But um, I would love to get back in with Marcio and do something um, that makes sense for me and the Hard Seventy Five and the Sharp Eye Seventy Seven. You know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, cause I'm looking for another one of those boards for Indo. I'm looking for my Indo trip to have a board that, that will paddle me around, but will also allow me to, to surf as high performance as this 58 year old
0: body will allow me. Okay. Well, I just want credit for whatever commission you, you that- make off the sales of that board. I need like 3% just for yeah. coming up with the name. I'll have them make me two boards, one for you, one for me. <laughs> Perfect, thank <laughs> you. See what happens. Um, oh, <clears throat> let me
2: say this. I remember now. So I did fill out the form to win the boards <clears throat> and I chose Rusty. I hope Rusty wins the thing, mostly because Rusty's a good friend of mine and I'm a big fan of, of what they're doing now and they've got some stick surfboards. And in fact, my son brought one of the Rusty, I think the San Diego Pro model, to the last year and absolutely loved it, and so I'm hoping that Rusty wins. But based on what we saw in the teas, that doesn't feel like it's a Rusty, does it? It feels like it's something way out of left field. The winner is going to be a
0: left fielder, like a Borst or a a Hayden. I mean, Rusty Rusty fits with that conversation too. It could be a Rusty. Yeah, I'm I mean, hoping. it's not. It's it's a legacy brand, but they don't have any tour surfers anymore. You know. Yeah. Wade Wade Carmichael, I think, was the last. Um, Well, very interestingly. Didn't Kyle, wasn't Kyle riding Rusty's? Or no, he was riding Xanadu's. He was riding Rusty's most recently. Yeah. He shifted to Rusty off Xanadu. Um, So very interestingly, we're an hour into the show. You teased the news topics for this week, and there's one major news story that neither of us have pointed to. Oh, my please and it might and that might be the actual news stories that we are not talking about the Nazare big wave challenge that took place Uh, two days ago
2: yeah I do not care I tried to watch it I just don't care it's just it's boring it's not engaging it's nothing I can relate to I can watch it all I've seen every ride that's ever going to happen at
0: Nazare and it
2: they've already happened (laughs) you know what I mean like they're all it's like watching a wave at
0: it's like watching another surf ranch ride. It is in a weird way.
2: It is. It's just real monotonous and real predictable. And, um, it's just one of those waves that what's actually happening out there doesn't translate. And, you know, like the heart rate that's in those surfers bodies and in the drivers of those skis isn't translatable to our eyeballs. Cause the real, power of that thing is how friggin' scary it is. Mm. And after you watch it a hundred times at sitting in your home office, you're kind of like, yeah, all right. I'd rather watch something else. And so I tried to watch it, was not engaged.
0: Well, I fully agree with you. Um Brendan Buckley did a recap on Stab Magazine. And I think that he summed it up best in his opening paragraph by saying something to the effect of It's um, more surf, in the crowd on the beach watching this event, there's more non-surfers than there are surfers. And that's the opposite of almost any other surf contest that you go to. So it's mainly viewed by people who don't know surfing, and it's just a spectacle to them. But he also stated that it's probably the only profitable event for the WSL, and that's why it continues to run every single year. It can run in one day. It has main... You know, big, non-endemic, moneyed sponsors who support it. And so that's probably why it continues to go every year. Um, but just to give them justice, Louis Chion- Lucas Chianca won on the men's side. Maya Gabriela won on the women's side. And Team Lucas Chianca and Pedro won, Scooby won the team award. Um, that's about it. I have um,
2: something that was sent to me that is semi-interesting. And let me just um, state this. Uh, This is a legal decision that occurred in California a couple of days ago. And it has to do with surfing and surfing collisions in the water. Um, And again, I'm reading verbatim here. Three surfers were surfing small Miramar in Santa Barbara over the summer. Surfer one was on the wave first. Surfer two... Snakes surfer one. Then surfer three, snakes surfer two. Surfer two has to straighten out. He's in between surfers one and three. And surfer three wipes out, and his board hits surfer two, the first snaker, causing what sounds like a pretty gnarly gash in surfer two's head. Not too surprising in this day and age, surfer two sues surfer three. Now, the legal ramifications are this. The trial court, the initial court throws out the case. It goes to the appeals court. The appeals court throws out the case. You can't sue. Why? Because colliding surfers and colliding surfboards, including those without a leash, are an inherent risk in the sport of surfing, according to the court. So, there's no suing unless you're going to go to the Supreme Court. Unless you take your case all the way to the Supreme Court, you cannot sue for getting injured by a surfboard when you're surfing, unless, of course, there's criminal intent or mens rea or like there, you know, it was I done mean, like, on purpose. You can prove that it was done on purpose. Perhaps the most interesting aspect of this is that Sean Thompson was an expert for one side of the equation and Ian Cairns was an expert for the other side of the equation, they were both paid experts.
0: (laughs) So, wow, this sounds made up and this sounds like, um, I don't know, like a scene out of idiocracy or something that we would end up in court over this, something that happens all day, every day in every surfing lineup, by the way, I applaud the judges and the ruling on this. They are absolutely right. This is a waste of, uh, taxpayers time and money and everybody involved there's actual crime happening out in the world and this was not a crime um also the idea that surfer number two burned somebody and then got hissed because somebody burned him and fell and got hit he is the offender if he never burned anybody in the first place he never would have got hit in the head by somebody else's board idiot
2: yeah there seems to be a lot of instant karmic reaction
0: occurring exactly what an interesting story i i mean yeah insane hilarious that uh sean thompson took, took i don't know which
2: side of the equation either one of those were on but my gut is going to tell me that sean was on the side of you should be allowed to sue and Ian Carnes is on the side of you shouldn't be allowed to sue but again i just made that up i haven't looked into that i don't know that to be the case I
0: you know we'll see so the other the other thing here the court needs you need to be able to prove uh rightness and wrongness intent a bunch of other things that you and I have been trying to tease apart for 10 years on the podcast and we haven't been able to there's no way that a non-surfing court is going to be able to say who has quote right of way on that wave you know there's just it's way too complicated and convoluted a thing based Mm -hmm. on one's own personal perception in the lineup and their own uh you know etiquette that yeah the court can't the court can't mandate a rule here a ruling no and this was more about regardless of this was
2: like a no-fault thing like a like a car accident like look
0: i have damages that need to get paid yeah i
2: have damages that need to get paid and it's this guy's and this guy caused the damages i'm not saying that he did it like I said, with intent or malice or
0: anything like that, but well, my, it happened and it's his fault. Yeah, well, my an- analogy here is if it was the car accident, surfer number two is going the wrong way on the road. So it was their fault if they ended up in a crash. It was a dirt road. There were
2: no signs. It was in the middle of the desert. In fact, there were no roads. There were just three vehicles.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly yeah. what surfing is. And so yeah. you're out there off-roading and these things happen. Yeah. Don't be a my,
2: my musty moment by Treeswax is I urge all of you, if you haven't done so already, go to surfline.com, their YouTube page. Just Google Pipeline January 22nd, Pipeline January 23rd, live surfline. Search that on YouTube. It'll come up. And then you can scrub all the way to the last, say, five or eight minutes, 10 minutes, and it'll be the highlights of each day. Put it up on your big screen in your living room and just be mesmerized by all that is incredible pipe with the incredible pipe specialist ripping. I saw, you mentioned a bunch of guys. I also saw Jamie O'Brien. I saw Mason Ho. I recognized Koa Smith. And of course, there's a host of others. I think Noah Bashan. There, there's just
0: a bunch of guys ripping. My must-see moment presented by treeswax.com, the only petroleum-free surf wax uh, on the market, Treeswax um, is Tucker Wooding's Instagram account which I mentioned that drone clip of Iala Dala wiping out at Pipeline, Tucker is committed to perfecting that drone clip at Pipe. So imagine if you are a water photographer at Pipe and you sit right there in the, sho- uh, in the channel, this is 20 yards closer to the peak and 10 yards up into the sky, and he just hovers that thing and waits. And as a set comes in, He starts tracking it, and you see which surfer makes its way through the crowd, and you see that surfer scratching to their feet and getting up, and you see the undulations in the wave and them navigating it, and he then backs up the camera, flies the camera back as the wave's breaking, and you get to see people get spit out. He is killing it with that drone shot, and I'm seeing versions of Pipeline that I've never seen before. Uh, So Tucker Wooding's Instagram account.
2: Okay, so... Look, we've got the Pipeline event coming up. It's surfivalleague.com. So S-U-R-F-I-V-A-L hyphen league.com. Mention Spit. Um, And that way we get a referral. Referral code Spit. Referral code Spit and uh, get a chance to win $7,000 and a three-board Twinser Quiver from... Blake at panda and looks like pipe's going to happen maybe monday i'm open and there's plenty of good swell and conditions on tap for pipeline the most exciting
0: show of the year pipeline
2: david we've had a great show we've said a lot until next time adios and aloha
1: everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind People stopping still I can't see their faces Only the shadows of their eyes I'm going well the sun keeps shining